0: brothers and sisters, as God's children,
1: please stand and join us as we begin by singing our praises to God together.
0: Good morning. Say what? <laughs> tasted and seen of the sweetest of love say
2: By your presence. We know you're here. We just pray that you will make us sensitive and aware of your spirit and what you want to do in our lives and through us as we gather in worship today. Be glorified in the songs that we sing, in the prayers that we pray, and the scripture we read, and the word that's proclaimed. Be glorified in all of us. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others here in worship this morning. It is great to see you as we gather for worship today. We welcome uh, those of you who uh, may be here because of commencement activities at the college this weekend. Congratulations to all the graduates and family members. And uh, we pray for you as you move forward to the next stage of your life. There are a few things I want to highlight uh, coming up. Next Sunday uh, in the morning, uh, during this uh, before and after the services, we'll be having our annual elections of leaders as well as the approval of the budget. And so... Please be aware of that. Um, if you're not going to be here next week, we do have some absentee ballots you can get from the office. Uh, next Sunday evening is our uh, annual dessert and vision uh, gathering. And so we, if you can come, that would be great. Uh, you can bring a dessert to share. And we'll be talking about some things that God's done with us as a church this past year and also some things that we're thinking about for the year ahead. A chance to pray together, a chance to, to talk and think together about how God is leading us as a church. So. Please, uh, if you're around, please make a note of being a part of that gathering. Um, also, um, the, the dates are, uh, let's see if I can get this right, May 30th to June 3rd. Uh, all the Global Partners missionaries in the Wesleyan Church will be here on the Houghton College campus. They're bringing everybody from all the countries, all, wherever they are, for a uh, time together. And as a part of assisting them in that, we're taking care of some child care. And so you can see in the bulletin... Uh, Some information about that, and quite frankly, it's a little bit overwhelming. There's a lot of children, and uh, but it's a part of sacrifice and service that we are are wanting to do. And uh, we have uh, some sessions uh, each of the five mornings and four evenings, about uh, three and a half to four hours of time. I know it's a lot to ask, but if you're able to help with that, even if it's just one of the days or one of the nights, That would be so much appreciated, and it's a way of serving uh, people who are serving the Lord in other places of the world. So, if you can uh, help with that, uh, contact Emily Hoffman, contact the church office, uh, let one of us know. And as much as you might be able to assist, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Also, last week we introduced the jars and the booklets about helping refugees... If you weren't here last week and uh, you would like to help out in this refugee project that we're doing, uh, please feel free after the service to grab a jar and grab a booklet and there are weekly uh, readings for this. And we're asking people to donate just $1 a week. And uh, early September, we'll bring our jars together and we'll have a celebration of collecting those funds. We'll send those out to groups that help refugees and then we'll start all over again. And we'd like to make this a part of, of who we are as a church to assist in the effort of helping our, our people in this world who are refugees and have been forced from their homes for a variety of reasons. So if you didn't get one of the jars in the booklet, uh, please feel free to grab one of those after the service today. And if you're, if this is, if you're here visiting and you want to participate, please feel free to do that. Uh, we, you can send your money wherever or send it back to us and uh, we'll make sure it gets into the, the pot. But just, uh, we just want people to be thinking about uh, refugees and what God wants to do for them and to help them. We also are collecting next week our faith promise uh, for the year, and uh, this is a great time of thinking about what God might be challenging us to do. Paul Shea is going to share just a moment about that.
3: I drew. I said I drew the short straw. I'm doing the talking again. Uh, this is about the faith promise insert in your bulletin. And I know this some of you are visitors, but all of you who belong and attend here, you want to listen up. Several years ago, our congregation felt that uh, our capacity for missions giving exceeded what was embedded in our church budget, which is about 15% in our budget, but uh, of our giving goes to missions. Well, the solution that they came up with years ago was faith promise giving, New to us here at Houghton Church, but not new around the world, uh, in many of our Wesleyan churches especially. Faith promise giving, giving above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. And what God has done has been truly amazing. Actually, in the first year, just blowing us off the map, exceeding by three or four times what we had projected. So this coming fiscal year, which starts June 1st, our faith promise will support our six global partner, missionary families, including our own Kevin and Cindy and Josiah Austin, who the Lord is leading back on an appointment to the Czech Republic. So next Sunday morning, Kevin and Cindy will be bringing the message, a story of God's guidance in their own lives and the work in Czech. And next Sunday, as Pastor said, we need to be prepared to turn in our own faith, promise, pledges, or promises What we, by faith, believe God can supply, again, above and beyond. I can attest, personally, and I've been retired a couple years, what a privilege it's been to be a channel for God to surprise and bless us with means and and blessings that we didn't even know were coming. And as a retired man, that was more bus-driving jobs than I knew was out there. And uh, a check from a brother who has been stingy, no, uh, but... (laughs) you know, it just comes in the mail, Uh, honestly, a big check that I wasn't expecting. God does amazing things. Now, maybe some of you have been here and been on the sidelines in past years, so we urge you to join us in prayer for a sense of what God wants you as individuals or families to do. And I even encourage teenagers for that lawn mowing job you didn't know, or um, just that extra check from grandmother when you graduated from high school, or whatever it is that you didn't know it was coming, but by faith God nudged you to support our missionary families and then he provided. What a thrill it is. So we collect these cards next week. Show and tell time? Can you put that in your Bible or put it in your pocket right now in the clothes you're going to wear next week? And and when we collect those next week, it's it's not the money. That didn't make sense. It's not the money. Next week, it's the it's the it's the future promise that God is going to supply, and then you have a whole year to wait and trust God and see what He does. Now that I'm totally confused, I hope you aren't. Faith promise next Sunday.
1: I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God from all that He has blessed us with.
2: praying together and this has been our practice for a while. If you'd like to come and offer your prayers here at the altar rail, please feel free to join me. Father, we come today acknowledging that you are great and powerful and merciful. And you call us to to bigger things than we can often imagine. Lord, we pray that you would make us people who are identified and known for our faith in you. For our courage to step out in faith with you. To be people who who bear the image of Christ in the way that we live our lives. Lord, as we go about our days, there are a lot of things that come to us and concern us and burden us. This morning we we pray for all who are grieving today. We think especially of family and friends of Jasmine Uvino, a student who is killed last weekend, and we ask that your grace would be upon her family, all who are grieving this loss. Help them to know your loving presence with them. Father, we pray for all who are struggling with illness and pain. We think especially of Lillian Clow, Nancy Lucky's mother, and for Sheldon Emerson, Doug Bogdan. We pray for Barb Rangel and Bob Jobert and Laurel Bucher, for Warren Woolsey, Bill Getty, for Phil Muker Mike Raybuck, for Jill Tyson and Bruce Brenneman, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Dick Gould, for Crystal Blake and Emily Cricklar, and others who may be on our hearts and our minds today. We pray for your healing grace upon each of them. Father, we pray for all who are in a, a place of transition in their life, and we think especially of graduates and their families. It's such an exciting time, but there is also a, some sense of anxiety, as well as what the future holds and what the next steps are going to be and what that's going to look like. And we pray for a sense of your peace and your grace upon All who are graduating and their families and with the dynamics being very different from what they have been. We ask for your mercy and your leading, your guiding, your peace in each one. Father, we thank you for the ministries not only of our church but of the churches around us. We think today of the First Baptist Church in Belmont and Pastor Downer. We ask your grace upon them as they minister in their community, as they minister to one another anoint them, bless them, empower them to be people of faith as you've called them to be. And may they have a sense, an overwhelming sense of your presence with them as they worship today and as they go through their lives in the week ahead. Father, we pray for our world. We thank you for what you're doing in this world. And we we thank you, Father, for the ministry of, of your people throughout the world. Some of that ministry is a long ways away, some very close. We pray today for Steve and Ruth Strand and their ministry in Buffalo. Thank you for the work that you've given them to do there and the ways that you are using them to reach people for Christ. And as they, as they uh, lead this faithful presence presentation and work with it, we pray that you will anoint this gathering and be glorified in it. And Father, we do think of, people who are ministering for you around the world and we pray for the, the sports ministry class that's preparing today to go to Romania. We pray that your anointing would be upon every member of the group that this would be an experience that would not only change their hearts but as they are there they might they might truly minister to the people there missionaries they may be working with, Romanian people that they encounter. Lord, we pray that as they, as they conclude their time in a few weeks, that they would have a sense that you were present and you were doing more than they could have dreamed or imagined. Father, we want to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who face persecution. We think of the Syrian Christians who have been had such a difficult time over the last few years. So many of them, are the refugees, so many of them persecuted, everything about their lives thrown into chaos. We pray that you will bless them, protect them, give them courage and hope. And we pray, Father, that, that they will have a sense that, that you are using even these great difficult times to draw them closer to you and to be a witness to people like us who don't face anything like they do. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for all of of the blessings you pour out upon us. Give us faith to walk in your ways this day and the days ahead. And we ask all of this through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.
1: Please stand with me for the reading of the gospel. <clears throat> and after the reading, children may be dismissed for children's church. This is John chapter 1, starting with verse 35. The next day, John was there again, the two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went with him and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. On a scale of one to ten, how would you evaluate your contentment in life? Your answer may vary from day to day, depending on your circumstances and what's happening in your life. But when we're honest, I wonder if quite a few of us wouldn't rate ourselves closer to number one, deeply restless, than to number ten, utterly content. Because at one time or another, we're all looking for something. We sense that life isn't all that we want it to be that something is missing, that there has to be more to life than this. We're searching for something beyond ourselves, something to give our lives meaning, more to deepen our sense of significance, something that will enable us to live fuller and freer lives. There's something about this search, this restlessness that we find in this story from the Gospel of John. John the Baptist is out around the Jordan River preaching repentance and baptizing those who truly repent. John's getting a lot of attention, not only from the people coming to hear him preach, but from the religious leaders in Jerusalem. While the religious leaders ask their theological questions, the people keep coming to be baptized. At the height of John's popularity, Jesus comes asking to be baptized. John's hesitant because he seems to know who Jesus is. Nevertheless, at Jesus' insistence, John baptizes him. A few days later, a couple of John's disciples, Andrew and probably John, the author of the gospel, are with John the Baptist as Jesus walks by. John the Baptist says to the two men, Look, the Lamb of God. They're intrigued and immediately begin following Jesus. Seeing them behind him, Jesus stops, turns to them, and asks a question that at first may seem fairly innocuous. But it's actually a question that's filled with deep meaning and implication. What do you want? What are you looking for? We understand that this question can be answered in a number of ways depending on who's asking and the circumstances under which it's asked. There are times when all of us are looking for something we've misplaced our car keys, a book our cell phone, if someone finds us searching for the misplaced item and asks us, what are you looking for? We have a fairly straightforward and immediate answer. I'm looking for my car keys again, or I'm looking for the book I was reading. But when someone stops us when we're not in the middle of a search and asks, what are you looking for? And when that someone is Jesus, then we're dealing with a whole other situation. When we think about Jesus asking us, what are you looking for? We might be tempted at first to answer this question fairly quickly. I'm looking for enough money to be comfortable. I'm looking for success. Or I'm looking to be recognized for all that I do. But as we take time to think and take a deeper look, our answers may include, I'm looking for contentment. I just want this feeling of restlessness to go away. I'm searching for meaning and purpose in my life. I'm looking for peace, a peace that not only lets me go to sleep at night, but allows me to sleep all through the night. Or maybe our answer is, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I'm looking for. I know something is missing in my life, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Sometimes I think it's one thing, but when I get that, I'm not satisfied, and I'm ready to move on to the next thing. It's kind of that feeling that most of us have experienced when we're home in the evening reading a book or watching a movie, and we realize that we're hungry, that we're craving something, but we're not quite sure what. So we go to the kitchen and spend way more time than we should in front of an open cupboard or the open refrigerator door, trying to decide what it is we want We eat some chips and realize, "Mm, no, that really isn't what I want. So then we try some ice cream, but that isn't quite it either. So even though we may feel fairly full by the time that we're all done, we still haven't satisfied that deeper craving. It reminds me of one of Bono's hit songs, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The lyrics lament that no matter what he does, what experiences he has, he's never satisfied. He describes the spiritual yearning, the need for fulfillment, and the futile search that this present world can't fully satisfy as he returns to the haunting words of the chorus. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What a tragic way to live our lives, searching, yet never finding. We tend to think that if we just change jobs, change friends, the location of where we live, or if we have more money or a better car or a nicer home, then we will have what we're looking for. We want to believe that improving or changing our circumstances will satisfy us and bring us the inner contentment we desire. And sometimes a change in our circumstances is needed. There are times when change is the right thing. God often uses change to open us up to him and to move us forward. But it becomes a problem when we believe that the change is what will ultimately satisfy our deepest longings. Some theologians refer to this longing, this yearning within us, as homesickness of the soul. The Greek name for homesickness is nostalgia, which means pain or desire for what is known. The yearning or longing for something that is past It's a return home. Sometimes this longing is for something we once had, while other times it's a longing for something we've never had. The first time I remember becoming clearly aware of my own homesickness of the soul was when I was in high school. It was summer, and I had been out with my friends for the evening, probably scooping the loop. It was a tradition where high school kids would pile into a car, drive down a main street, turn into an empty parking lot, make a U-turn, and then do it all over, again and again and again. As I think back on it, it was really kind of crazy. But we did it because gas was 50-some cents a gallon. And honestly, there wasn't a lot else to do on a Friday night in a small town in Iowa. When I got home that night, everyone else was in bed, so the house was very quiet. I remember going to the refrigerator to get a glass of lemonade when suddenly I had this overwhelming sense of homesickness. It was strange because I was home. Because this feeling wouldn't go away, I began thinking about why it was so overwhelming to me. What was going on? As I was thinking about it, the Holy Spirit convicted me that my relationship with God wasn't what it should be. In that moment, I realized that I was letting other things, and even people, take the place of God in my life. It's not that I didn't care about God. I just didn't have the kind of relationship with him that I was created to have, leaving me with this homesickness of the soul. Because God designed us to have a relationship with him, deep within us is this desire, craving, longing for him that can't be filled with anything or anyone else. We see this longing in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? God has placed a profound, persistent, and lasting homing instinct for himself deep within the heart of each one of us. This homesickness of the soul that God has placed within us is intended to lead us to him. 6th century theologian and scholar, St. Maximus the Confessor, wrote, When God created us in his image, he gave us a mind that we may come to know him, a heart to desire him, to long for him, to crave him, to run after him, to be homesick for him. God also gave us a free will so that we may freely choose to love him, And come home to Him. This homesickness of the soul for God can express itself through loneliness, a discontent with life, burying ourselves in our work, activities, other people, entertainment, and through all sorts of material possessions. We can try to ignore this homesickness, we can disguise it, we can wrongly label it, but it won't disappear because the meaning and goal of life for each of us is to respond to this homing instinct and to allow God to make his home within us. In one way or another, all of us want to affirm the words of the psalmist in in Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our home throughout all generations. And the words of Jesus in John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. But the burning question is, how do we get where we want to be? How do we come to that place of home that fulfills our deepest longings and desires? How do we find what we're looking for? The same way Andrew and John do. They answer Jesus' question with their own question. Where do you live? Why do they ask Jesus where he lives? Doesn't that seem like an odd response? What are they getting at, and how does this move them any closer to having their to having the answer to their longings and desires are they looking for an actual address do they want to see the kind of neighborhood jesus lives in i think it's something else they've been listening to john the baptist for a while they've heard him talk about repentance they've heard him talk about the one to come the one whose sandals he's unworthy to untie, the promised one they've been seeking for a long, long time. Then that day, as Jesus walks by, they hear John declare, Behold the Lamb of God. John has deeply influenced these two men, so they have a sense of expectant hope as they follow Jesus. Hope that Jesus is who John says he is, and hope that Jesus can answer the desires and longings within them. Think about those who have deeply influenced your life, pointed you towards Jesus. Who has nurtured your faith by helping you see Jesus as the hope you're longing for? Who has spurred you on to a deeper walk in faith? to take steps that you probably wouldn't have taken without them. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, a friend, a neighbor, or a parent. We heard this a couple of weeks ago when the graduating college seniors shared testimonies. So many of them talked about the people who influenced them, who pointed them to Jesus, who encouraged them to a deeper life of faith. In God. But as wonderful as these godly influences are, eventually we have to decide what we want from Jesus. Do we want to walk towards him or walk away from him? And this is really at the heart of their question about where Jesus lives. It's their way of saying We want more than just a casual conversation alongside the road. We want a relationship, a relationship that answers our longing and our searching. We want to spend time with Jesus. There's something about just being with Jesus that has the potential to change us if we're willing This time alone with him is not only restorative to our souls, but it can help us gain or regain an eternal perspective. We see this with Andrew and John as their time with Jesus opens their eyes to what life with him can be. We know that they don't learn all there is to know about Jesus but it sets them on the journey of discovery that we see revealed in the Gospels and beyond. During this time, they not only find their homecoming in Jesus, but they discover that Jesus' question, what are you looking for, involves all of the other longings and desires within them. This is significant for them and for us. Jesus wants us to explore these longings and desires because they have the power to impact every part of our lives. As we do this, he helps us sift through all of our longings and desires to challenge us about giving up those that are harmful to us, those that lead us away from him or to challenge us to allow him to reconfigure those good longings that are out of order. So much of life and the desires of life are gifts of God. They can reveal God's heart and will for our lives. But like most everything else, God's gifts can become more important than God himself. And when this happens, we get sidetracked or worse from what God desires for us. Yet sometimes we still struggle with identifying exactly what our longings and desires are. One person has suggested that a way of discovering what we most deeply desire and long for is to imagine what we want said about us and our life. At our funeral. In order to help us think through this, we may ask ourselves do I want to be remembered as someone who loved deeply or was self centered? As someone who responded with compassion to those in need or didn't have time to care all that much? As someone who encouraged others or was critical and judgmental? These questions aren't about how we're living at the moment. They're about what we desire most for our lives. What do we still want to do with our lives? What kind of people do we want to become? And what kind of life do we want to live? What are we looking for? These questions will take time for us to answer as we think through them, how we're currently living, the choices and commitments we're making, our motives, and where and how Jesus fits in to all of it. Doing this exercise can help us begin to honestly discover what we're really longing for and desiring so we may give all these longings and desires to Jesus so that through his spirit, He uses them to expand our lives in ways we never thought possible. And as we do this, we begin to see God's grace on display, that he wants more for us than we even want for ourselves. Jesus created us to experience meaning and fulfillment, to live lives of significance and depth. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to live passionate, abundant lives with real joy. But an even more profound grace of Jesus to us is the great surprise that we probably take for granted, that Jesus wants to spend time with us that he longs to spend time with us. And this is really at the heart of the encounter with Andrew and John. This is the turning point of this entire encounter. They ask, where do you live? Jesus answers, come and see. This invitation is more significant than it appears on the surface This is an invitation of grace. Jesus welcomes them into his life. He invests time and energy with them. Why? Because Jesus knows that they are looking, searching for more, and he wants them to understand that he wants to fulfill that desire in them. They don't have to beg him. He invites them, come, and see. The gospel is always about Jesus desiring us more than it is about us desiring him. Our desire for him is a response to his desire for us. We see this truth over and over again in scripture. Jesus longs to be with us. He wants to talk with us, Not only about our life and the direction it's taking, but he also wants to talk with us about our day, how it went, how we responded to things, what we've experienced. We may wonder, why does Jesus want us to share all of this with him when he already knows all about it? For the past 20 years, Wes and I have worked together here at the church we're in meetings together, we work on projects together, and we're pretty much aware of what one another is doing all throughout the day. And even though our offices are only 32 feet and 7 and 3 quarter inches apart, <laughs> every evening we still talk about our day what we did, what we're working on, why because we need and want this connection with one another. Because we love each other, we desire this communication and look forward to sharing, even if we pretty much know what's happened all throughout that day. Jesus knows all about us. He knows our longings and desires. But we want to connect with him and gain his perspective when we open up and share all of this with him. Jesus is with us all the time, yet he says, come, tell me about it. We don't know exactly what Andrew and John and Jesus talked about that afternoon and evening, but we know it's significant Because by the end of the day, they're on board with him. And it seems to all come back to Jesus' question, What are you looking for? As we talk with Jesus, our eyes are open to who he is, to the nature of God, and that we can trust him. But one of the greatest discoveries is that as we spend time with Jesus, we find that we want to spend more and more time with him. An old story of a rabbi living in a Russian city about a century ago tells how he was disappointed by his lack of direction and purpose in life. So one night, he wanders out into the chilly winter air, With his hands thrust deep into his pockets, he walks out among the empty, dark streets, questioning his faith in God, the scriptures, and his calling to ministry. The only thing colder than that Russian winter air is the chill within his soul. He feels so enshrouded by his own despair that by mistake, he wanders onto a Russian military compound off-limits to civilians. He jumps at the bark of the Russian soldier who shatters the silence of the chilly evening air by asking, "'Who are you, and what do you want? What are you looking for?' "'Excuse me,' replies the rabbi, with a sense of frustration.' the soldier repeats his questions. I said, Who are you? What do you want? What are you looking for? After a brief moment, the rabbi, in his gracious tone so as not to further provoke the soldier, asked, How much do you get paid every day? What does that mean? have to do with you, replies the soldier. With the joy of someone making a new discovery, the rabbi says, I'll pay you that exact same amount if you'll ask me those same questions every day. Who are you? What do you want? What are you looking for? This encounter and these questions changed the rabbi's life. Can you hear the still, small voice of Jesus asking you, what are you looking for? He invites you. He welcomes you. He wants you to come and see And experience not only what you're looking for, but life in him that is beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine. Lord Jesus, help us as we honestly think about our lives, what we're looking for, what we're longing for and desiring Be at work within us, so we may become all that you have created us to be. This we pray in your name. Amen. Please stand as we sing together. benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.